0: Welcome to Pot On You Loons, everybody. Pot On You Loons, Justin.
1: We welcome James back, sporting his brand new Minnesota United black and blue and white scarf.
2: Yeah, Pot On You Loons. Thanks for having me back, guys. It's uh, a third time. Woo! Suck it, Jeremy. It's only two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're looking no, good, for- man. You're going to bring in this even more uh, more female listeners.
0: <laughs> if only they could see us. They can only see you, James. You look great.
1: Thanks, man. Yeah, it's a really nice. Scarf. I'll take a Sam's. screenshot
0: or something posted on social
1: media.
2: I can see Sam is uh, sporting his scarf as well, so that uh, that worked out well.
1: And uh, yeah, thanks yeah. for having me back, guys. And we actually have football. There's actual football. We have football. We don't need to watch. We don't need to watch reruns of Arsenal losing. We can just <laughs> <laughs> for the first time in a hundred days, I was able to watch Arsenal lose live. This yeah, great.
2: That's like. The biggest slap in the face. It's like, guys, football's back. Arsenal's back playing. Excellent. Who do we have? Man City. Uh, Not keen. (laughs) And I was proven right,
1: (laughs) unfortunately. Hey, we can't all play Arsenal. (laughs) Be good. Uh, I know. Well, James, it's great to have you back. Justin, it's great to see you. Uh, It's great to have football going on. Before we get going, I just want to point something out. In our last episode, which we recorded a little over two weeks ago, I did make light of the Boogaloos not totally understanding that they were actually a real organization. And shortly after the episode published, we found out that not only are they a real organization, but they're out there like killing people. And yeah, so I just want to put that out there that you know, I would have never made light of that situation had we actually known that prior to recording. Uh, So I, I apologize for that. Um, But then again, it, (laughs) you know, a lot of things get thrown out on social media. They had a funny name and I thought it was just another silly thing I saw on social media. I didn't totally realize it was real. Hope you all
0: accept my apology on that one. Yeah, I think we're kind of all in the same same boat though, right? Like there's just so much going on, so many different groups being talked about. You know, it's it sounds like, you know, I've looked into them more and they start, it was like a meme, right? Like it's a a movement that started with memes and has escalated to this. So, you know, I, I don't think you're the only one, Sam, to un- underestimate the Boogaloo boys as, as did I. Oh yeah, I know I'm not the
1: only one to make Boogaloo jokes prior to hearing that they were actually killing people. But I might be one of the only ones that recorded myself making boogaloo jokes. Just for the record, podcast, anti-boogaloo, and Jeremy is not a boogaloo.
0: And, <laughs> no, no. And he likes Hawaiian that, shirts. Just Hawaiian shirts. Just a connoisseur of Hawaiian shirts. And while we're on that, you know, just because we
1: do have a, you know, an international audience, including uh, James, who's joined us today, Nate is not actually a terrorist. He's a great dude. Trump referred to Antifa, which just stands for anti-fascist, as a terrorist organization, which I don't think it's even an organization from any research I've done. It just means that you're anti-fascist. So that was funny. Uh, You know, D-Day wasn't that long ago, seeing all those all those memes of uh, the soldiers landing on on Normandy. And uh, (laughs) it was just labeled largest Antifa operation in the history of the world. (laughs) Brilliant man. Like it, it was brilliant. No. To be
2: honest, like in Europe, I just have like you said, I just have no idea what's going on because there's so many names that get thrown out from so many things in the U S that you just totally lose track of what's real, what's not, who's doing what, you know, it's just, it's just a mess to be honest. Thank you for the clarity.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't even know what to say. I don't know what a European watching our news right now is thinking, not just in the past month, but in all of 2020. That's why we have you here, James, to, uh, <laughs> to offer us lives. that insight. All yeah, right. It's... Well, <laughs> this is not a news podcast. This is not a current events podcast. I don't actually even like politics or current events. I, it's obviously all important stuff, and that's why I'm paying attention. But let's talk some soccer because there's enough of that that's going to happen. There's enough of that that I'm going to hear about as soon as this podcast is done recording. We have a packed show for you. We're going to talk about the MLS's back tournament. We're going to go over Group D, which Minnesota United was drawn into. We'll talk about potential lessons we may have learned from the return of the Bundesliga. And we'll, you know, update you guys on a few of the other leagues that are coming back around Europe, which is Great that we have James in here to talk about that. But we'll start off with the the MLS's back tournament. First of all, guys, how do you feel about that name, the MLS's back tournament? <laughs> I was about
2: to comment. Like, this is just—it just seems like they didn't really do a lot of brainstorming when they went into this name. They went, we need something that's gonna like gonna make people excited for football. Yeah, it's just the MLS is back. Nailed it. Let's do it. <laughs> Just run with the first idea. I mean, it does get the point across,
0: though. Is there like a hashtag campaign? Yeah. Is there like a hashtag campaign of hashtag MLS is back? Like that they're going to try to push or something? Like they're like, oh, it's great. This will be a great, this will trend. But it's, yeah. What? What does this mean?
1: Well, I got to say, I actually kind of like it. And I'm going to tell you why. People like it when things come back. People get psyched when things come back, right? ACDC was back in black. <laughs> back was back to was the future. Back. All right. Yep. <laughs> People get psyched. Right. And actually, I know specifically you guys were psyched when Savage Garden went to the
0: moon and back.
2: <laughs> it's true. Shamelessly, it's true.
0: Are we gonna have to pay royalties for that, Sam? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty crappy quality. We don't make any money
1: on this, so
2: (laughs) so so my question here is: why is it the MLS is back tournament when these group stages count for the regular season? Why is it not just the MLS is back?
1: It'd be great if they were like the MLS is back bitches. Dot 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 bitches. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I I think it's in in the United States with sports we love a good tournament we love a good bracket. Jeremy was on here last last episode talking about that. I think that's really what it is. Is that sure all the teams are coming back? These games are real regular season games that are going to count towards the regular season table, but then they tie it into this tournament and. I really think that they're trying to they're trying to capture this wave of people that are just desperate for sports. The NWSL is coming back before the MLS, but there's a good chance that the MLS will be the second league in the United States to come back and it's going to get significant TV coverage and the idea of a tournament could really kind of capture the American audience. And also as we're going to talk about here some of these games start at 8 a.m., which the only reason that the MLS would schedule games to start at 8 a.m. is to market it to you guys. So James yeah. looking all high and mighty, making, <laughs> making fun of our tournament, having a silly name and just not and being a tournament in general. Well, they're marketing to you, man.
2: Yeah, I I, I did notice that. Like when it said games take place at 8 a.m., 7 p.m. and 9.30 p.m., it was just Strange having an eight AM game. I'm I'm assuming that you're not playing on the same day, right? Like you're not playing an eight AM game and a game in the afternoon in the evening. No. Okay. No. No. Okay.
1: Uh, But
2: yeah,
1: I I think everything's going to be set.
2: I mean, if if there are that would be sweet though. That'd be
1: like third grade.
2: Yeah, we do it with uh, Australian football. In our preseason tournament, we have like two or three games all in the same like six hour period or something you play like a shortened game like an electric round robin so three teams play over the court they all like sure. do a round robin in the course of like six hours or something but sure. no if there are loons games at yeah, 8 a.m yeah.
0: i'll watch sam i guess i haven't looked hard enough into it but are these facilities indoor or are they outdoor I'm, i can't remember
1: well it's outdoor and that it that is why that is why the MLS is saying that they're scheduling at 8 a.m. is to avoid the Orlando heat.
0: Because uh, Florida, Florida in the summertime is the worst. As, yeah, someone, I, as someone that lived there and has family there, it is you do not want to be outside during the day.
2: <laughs> yeah. No,
0: I don't even like going to Kansas City in the
1: summertime. Like, I will take the Minnesota winter in order to avoid the South during the summertime. Hands down. July 8th, the MLS is Back tournament officially begins, and it's going to go through August 11th when the final will take place. It's all being held, of course, at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. We have six groups, three from the Western Conference, three from the Eastern Conference. So the Western Conference has three four-team groups, while the Eastern Conference has two four-team groups plus one six-team group. The top-seeded teams in the Western Conference have determined to be Seattle, the reigning MLS champions, LAFC, who were semi-finalists, as well as the Shield holders, and then Real Salt Lake, who finished third in the Western Conference during the 2019 regular season. The top-seeded teams in the Eastern Conference are Toronto, who made it to the MLS finals last year, Atlanta, who was a semifinalist, and then Orlando, just because they're hosts, I guess. Of course, there was a draw, but up front they announced that they were just going to put Miami into Orlando's group, just inaugural season of Miami, trying to get that rivalry going, I guess. I'm glad they were up front with us about it instead of just, you know, placing them in there and making it look like it was random. Basically how this is going to work is within the group stage, every team will play three group stage games. All of those games are going to count toward the regular season table. And
0: then the
1: top teams from each group are able to advance.
0: Yeah. So 16 teams are going to advance to the knockout rounds. And then the top two from each group, plus the top four third place finishers um, will also be involved. Uh, The MLS will avoid teams playing conference rivals when possible as you know during those during those knockout round games as well and then the title game whoever wins it is going to qualify for the CONCACAF Champions League that's going to take the spot that would have gone to the club finishing on top of their conference tables after the regular season opposite of the supporter shield winner and then a 1.1 million dollar prize pool is going to be divided up along the way
1: Yeah, so Justin, I thought it was very interesting when they announced that the CONCACAF Champions League spot would be in place of the team that finished uh, a top of the conference in the regular season that was opposite of the Supporter Shield winner. Because to me, it was very much rumored that the Open Cup spot would be granted to the winner of this tournament, which implied that maybe there wouldn't even be an Open Cup. So does this mean the open cup's happening I don't know we can only speculate but if it wasn't happening if they weren't planning on it happening then they would have given that spot so that that's exciting I like the open cup cross our fingers hope it happens
2: so I I, I got a couple of questions here the first one is what is the supporter shield and how does one go about winning it <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Great, great question. The Supporter Shield is one of the major trophies that a MLS team is able to win. It basically means that you finished the regular season with the most points. So you have your Western Conference table, you have your Eastern Conference table, but then when you merge those two tables together, there is the, the table for the Supporter Shield. So whoever is on top of that table. So it's not entirely fair in the sense that right now you would say the Western Conference is stronger than the Eastern Conference. So if you had a dominant Eastern Conference team, they would have an easier path to the Supporter Shield. But, y- you know, it's, uh, it is what it is. So whoever finishes on top of that table.
2: Okay, so when it says opposite of the Supporter Shield winner, so it would be like if, there was, if, the, if it finished right now, and Atlanta United and Sporting Kansas City were the top two teams, it would be that Kansas City would win the Supporter Shield, so Atlanta would get the CONCACAF Champions League thing,
1: birth? No, that would mean that Atlanta was denied the CONCACAF Champions League birth. Okay, because, so that's the
2: one that it's taking yeah. away. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the Supporter Shield winner would still have an automatic berth in the CONCACAF Champions League. It would be, yeah, if it was... A Western Conference uh, winner, that would mean that whoever was on top of the Eastern Conference would not be guaranteed a spot in the Concacaf Champions League.
2: Wow! And how does everyone else qualify for the Champions League? Because I'm assuming you don't just send two people, right? Or do you?
0: Sure. Yeah. So, so four four American teams qualify. So the MLS champion when gets gets a spot. The Supporters Shield, as we talked about before. Uh, usually the top regular season finisher in the conference opposite a sportship winner, as we said, right, gets in and then the US Open Cup champion. Yeah. So those are the four American teams that would make it normal. So
2: so technically then, like someone like Ford Madison, if they went on this miraculous run and won the US open cup, they would actually get into the CONCACAF Champions League as well.
1: They would, yeah. There, there was a team a long time ago, and I can't remember who they were. Maybe like the Rochester Rhinos or something, but don't quote me on that. There was a team Great name. that <laughs> was below the MLS that did win the Open Cup at one point, but I don't know how that would have worked into the CONCACAF Champions League. I don't even know if there was a CONCACAF Champions League. I'll have to look that up, and maybe I can update everyone on that for the next episode. It, You know, going back to... CONCACAF champions league and qualification. It, it's interesting. A Canadian team can only qualify. So there's three Canadian teams in the MLS. Those Canadian teams can only qualify for the champions league. If they win the Canadian championship, which is kind of their version of the open cup. So even if a Canadian team wins the MLS, that doesn't mean that they advance to the CONCACAF champions league. If they didn't win the Canadian championship. So
2: in that case then, would the person who lost the final of the MLS then think go so. to the Champions League?
1: Okay. I think so. We should we should look back. So Toronto won they won it all not too long ago. So we could probably look back and see what happened there. I'm not sure if they won the Canadian Championship at the same time, but yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it would then go to twenty seventeen. Yeah, yeah. twenty seventeen.
2: So then so, actually, it can get really complicated if you have two Canadian teams in the final, then neither win, then you have to count. You have to like fully count back. Okay.
0: Well, we'll, now, why we'll do we'll you cross that bridge con- when we get there, James. We'll cross that what? bridge when we get there.
2: Uh, unfortunately, the white caps aren't good enough to win this thing at the moment. So, it's a long way. It's a long way from that question.
1: Okay. Oh, come, come on, James. The white caps are dead to you. You're wearing a loon scarf. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Well,
2: yeah, but uh, okay. But essentially, All right. this
1: is why we don't James, do... I actually push- have a question for you, though. We like it. We got our own thing going. We like there. tournaments,
0: James. We talked about it before. Americans love a good tournament. We love tournaments.
1: We love brackets. James, seriously, do you do you have anything like this in Europe or Australia, for that matter? Like, Have you ever seen anything like this in a domestic club competition?
2: The MLS is back tournament? No. No, we don't have any of this like, kind of tournament. We thought about having one for the Premier League uh, when they didn't know what they wanted to do. Um, but then they just went with a much more condensed season like everyone else did. But apart from that, no, we, we don't have this kind of domestic club competition. Although it is interesting to see what will happen with the Netherlands because obviously they're not coming back. Right? Because their season has been declared fully null and void they're done until next season. So it'll be interesting to see if they actually do something like this to start next season. Cause they're still not sure if by September they'll be able to play football. Right. Yeah. This might come into Europe, sure. but uh, as of yet, no, nothing.
1: Well, you know, Jeremy told us that he was more, he, you know, he's a casual fan and he said he was more likely to watch because it was a tournament and because he thinks tournaments are fun. So, you you know, as a European, I know you spent a significant amount of your life in Australia, but as a European, does this format appeal to you?
2: Yes. Yes, that's definitely. Like even, and I think it's good that Jeremy touched on it as a more casual fan, because, you know, in the UK, especially, anytime the World Cup is on, even if we don't think we're going to do well, we always think we're going to do well. And everyone gets behind the tournament and everyone thinks it's coming home and everyone kind of really gets behind it. And I think that even though this kind of tournament format for us in Europe is always really only reserved for like the Champions League and the Europa League and the World Cup. So for us, a tournament format like this always means something because it's always important. And I think a lot more people get behind it than they normally would. Um, so yeah, I this format appeals to me as well. And when I can catch games, especially the eight o'clock games, I'm going to see if I can tune in and see uh, what's happening. Is there any word yet on whether they're going to do that fake fan noise, though? Oh. That's that's
0: not good. <laughs> I haven't, Sam, do you know? Is there any word? I'm not sure,
1: but so I saw because if you just watch the Premier League right now on NBC Sports, they have the fake fan noise, which I have only watched a little bit, but from what I've seen of NBC doing it compared to what Fox did with the Bundesliga. I did actually prefer Fox with the Bundesliga uh, compared to NBC, but having uh, you know, I use the fire TV and I have the NBC app on there. So if I want to watch premier league games, all I have to do is load up the NBC app and I can actually turn off the fake crowd noise. I think James in Europe, I think all of your games are being broadcast without the fake crowd noise. Right.
2: Yeah, to be honest though, I can only stream it, and my stream only streams the NBC games. <laughs> so I don't have the NBC app. So I end up just muting it just to just watch the game in silence.
0: I did notice one difference though between the can noise of NBC as opposed to Fox. And I actually disagree with you, Sam. I liked the NBC better because they didn't they like turned it up. Like it's it feels like almost like they had someone monitoring when stuff was happening to increase the fan noise to like you know because that's that's what happens in a normal game right like the ebbs and flows of the game people get excited that's when the volume raises whereas the and, and that happened in the NBC one at least in the game I watched but the F the Fox one it was just the same just the same tone the entire time it reminded me of the dumb voo-voo-zalas. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Where it was just like this, just noise, noise, right. noise, you know, like nothing. It wasn't helping me focus on the game, right? Like, cause that's what normal crowd noise will do, right? It'll, if you're multitasking, like I tend to do when I watch games, you're like, Oh shoot, I should pay attention. Cause it's getting louder. Right. That didn't happen in the Bundesliga games, but it did happen with the, with the premier league game that I did watch.
1: Yeah, I, I did like that the Premier League noise seemed quieter. And I'm specifically referring to Norwich Southampton, which I was watching right before we started recording this. But then Danny Ings scores a goal and it goes from, it basically went just from like zero to 60. And then <laughs> I was like, that's not exactly natural. Like, <laughs> you're right, you're right. It just looked like the ball hit the back of the net a little you know, fraction of a second
0: went by and then someone pressed a button saying, ah. and... <laughs> I just envision a guy with a knob that's watching the game and, like, adjusting it. So maybe he, like, wasn't paying attention for a second and he's like, oh, shoot, they scored a goal. <laughs> sure. Up. sure, he wasn't paying attention because it was Norwich Southampton
1: and then <laughs> someone nudges him saying, oh, they scored a goal. <laughs>
0: Better crank it. Yep.
1: Yeah,
2: and and... To be honest, like you guys talked about it last episode with like the Zoom calls and the, the boards at games. And so, that I was watching the Man City Arsenal game, and you could actually see on the because it was in Man City's home stadium, so they had Man City fans. There's a, there's a picture of the board with not everyone connected, so they didn't even have enough fans to have connected faces everywhere. There was like three or four spots out of like 16 that were just blank because no one was there
0: no one no one checked in they can't even fill their virtual stadium <laughs> yeah. or maybe they maybe they blocked them all sam like we said because they were doing nasty stuff <laughs> yeah. they're just like all right cut cut it
1: <laughs> <laughs> or did it, did anyone see la liga they they like digitally put in their own crowd like you would have say if you're just playing fifa but it looked like as if you were playing FIFA on the PlayStation
0: 1. Oh, no. Nice. It was just like blurry. I want to see eight guys with the same eight of the same guys just doing the same motion. <laughs> just, just canvassing the whole, the whole stadium. Well,
1: should we talk about Group D?
0: Uh, before we talk about Group D, Sam, we have to be in agreement that we got the best draw out of all the western conference groups would you agree with me like this is the easiest path what about the one with san jose and vancouver <laughs> I, I, just, I don't know i just think that this one's i think this is a good this is a good path for us i'm very th- we we and we talked about it with 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 nate didn't we didn't we predict that his team would get stuck in the group of death and then they certainly did right <laughs> group, group f that's the, the that's the
2: group of death right
0: well, yeah,
1: like LAFC, LA Galaxy, Portland, they're all in the same group. And then yeah. Houston, which is, isn't is very good.
0: Poor poor Houston.
1: Poor Houston. But I
2: think, so there's two things I noticed, right? So the Sounders were the, like the winners from last season, right? Yeah. So the Sounders got put in a group with the Whitecaps and San Jose. So it seems like a bit of an easy ride.
1: Well, who's and the then, fourth team in that group?
2: Uh, yeah. FC Dallas. Uh, yeah,
1: so they're solid. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then, I actually thought that Group D, while not as hard as Group F, was still quite difficult because if you actually look at the standings, it's the top three teams at the moment after two games, uh, <laughs> and Real Salt Lake, which
1: is well, and Real Salt one. Lake is the top seeded team in that group. Right, they're favored because they were well they they finished third in the Western Conference last year.
2: Right. Okay. Because they're at like two draws and all you, all the rest of you guys are at two wins.
1: Right, right. But it was two games. I think what a lot of people would say who followed the MLS is that while our group is not top heavy, all of the teams are pretty good. Like there's not, there's not really like a fluff. There's not like just a <laughs> fluff team in that group.
2: Houston Dynamo. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Like, It would be great if we had a Houston Dynamo in our group. You you know, Kansas City wasn't great last year. Colorado Rapids wasn't great last year, though they started going on a tear towards the end. But they're both teams that are on the rise, and they're both teams that are off to a hot start. Actually, our group does seem kind of balanced in that sense. We still, we got to go in saying that we're going to kick some butt, but we seem pretty balanced. I don't think it's a given. That we're the best team in the group,
2: and I think because at the moment there are three teams that are at the top of the Western Conference, like these games will actually matter like quite a bit. Like if you're the Loons, the Rapids, or Kansas, and you win all three of these games, you suddenly actually have a game or two of a lead at the top of the conference.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent.
2: Like for everyone else, it's like kind of playing, there's a bunch of teams on four and three points. But if you're one of these three teams and you suddenly win two or three, you, you're looking good. You are. I mean, of course you then have to play all the other games (laughs) (laughs) afterwards, but (laughs) in terms of the conference, you you, you know, you're looking quite good.
1: Well, and it'll, it'll be interesting. Like with the U S open cup, similar to the, the league cup in England, sometimes m l s teams treat the u s open Cup as a yeah, in the opening rounds we'll we'll put in some reserve guys, we'll give the young guys a we'll give the young guys a run, we'll maybe try some new things, give the veterans some rest, and then once the tournament progresses, if we're still in it, we'll go for it, right we'll go for it, we'll go for that trophy similar to the league cup where You know, you'll see all the young guys for the big teams get their run and uh, the big teams won't really put a lot of effort in, won't really put their full lineup in until they start progressing. Well, this almost sounds like it will be the opposite, where the group stages will be what everyone wants to win. (laughs) (laughs) And if you had a team advance that doesn't really care about winning the MLS's back tournament, you could potentially see the young guys play in the final rounds or the reserve guys playing in the final rounds, rather than seeing the
0: stars, which could be interesting be an interesting thing to watch, right? Like that, if, if that actually does happen, Sam,
1: right. I, I mean, I don't think seeing how Adrian Heath uh, set his lineups for the U S open cup. I don't think that would be a case for Minnesota United. I don't think that would be a thing for, you know, you know, a coach like Peter Vermees with uh sporting Kansas city, You know, he's won three open cups. So I I don't think that that would be a thing for all of the teams. But I think it would be a thing for some of the teams that maybe just want to get back home, get back into full team training and prepare for the games that really count.
2: Yeah. And it's like, you know, you were also talking last week about the NWSL. I think it's almost, you know, if you're one of those people who's a little bit older, you got to protect yourself kind of a little bit. Then I think it's the same thing. If you make it through the group stage, you're probably having a rest before you have this insanely packed season, you know. So it's probably better to send some some young guys out there and kind of blood them in a tournament atmosphere where you're in a finals yeah. situation, right? So I'd that's like always to good
1: experience. In, I'd like to think in a final, people are going full <laughs> full roster, but well, hey guys, let's preview Group D quick. It'll be a you know, this will be a simple preview. We'll go more in depth next week when actually Nate's coming back. So we'll we'll hear his full thoughts on what it's like to be paired up with both LA teams and Houston. So looking forward to that. But as I said, the top seeded team in Group D is Real Salt Lake because they finished third place in the Western Conference in 2019. Of course, they drew both of their games. They, they drew at Orlando and they drew at home against New York Red Bulls. So while they may be the top seeded team, they are not off to the start that the rest of the teams in group D are off to
0: Uh side note. I know we, we're not going to get too in depth, but I was looking at their roster and did you know that Giuseppe Rossi plays for Real Salt Lake? Did you know that? I did not know he played for Real Salt Lake. This is his first he he joined this year. It's it's his first year at the team. So I was looking at the roster and I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's such a blast from the past, right? Cuz he he was good for Italy. Like he he played a part for Italy, you know, national team making, you know, big runs and stuff. Interesting to see him in the MLS. I know he's originally from the States, which is kind of like something they would talk about during the World Cup and everything, but Giuseppe Rossi, Real Salt Lake. Star power, star power. Yeah, exactly. But he's not a DP. He's not a DP, so he's not that not much of a star, I guess. Then we have Sporting Kansas City. So they're currently two and zero with an away win at Vancouver. Big win right there, right? In a home win versus Houston. Uh, after two games, they're the only MLS club ahead of the United on the table with the goal differential of six compared to our five. Uh, and last year they missed the playoffs, so. Not a great year last year, but started off strong this year.
1: I like how both the teams that we've slammed so far in this episode are the teams that they've beaten. I- <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know I'm the one that wrote the notes, but I didn't make that connection prior to this. Brilliant.
2: Yeah, so the last team is uh Colorado Rapids. Uh, they were had a 2-1 away win to- against DC United and then a 2-1 home win against Orlando. And for them, it's that they've got... So far, they've had four different scorers of all their goals. So I know that their like lead scorer for last season was Kai Kamara. So he's probably looking to bang some goals in. Yeah, they have missed the playoffs the last three years. So I th- I think for them, this is a year where they want to uh, make, it, make a good run for it.
1: Yeah, it was a rough goal for them for a while. But towards the end of last year, and I know they got the best of us at one point, so... Yeah, it's uh, really, I think that this group is anyone's to win. But if you're Minnesota United, if you're on Minnesota United, you got to go in feeling like you're the favorite. We're going to preview all of these teams more in depth in our next episode as we prepare for the tournament to start on July 8th. But guys, right now, and I know we talked about this a little bit, how do you feel about this group? What do you think our chances are? What is your prediction for the
0: top two teams? I mean, as I spoke before, I think this is an easy group for us. And I think that I think this is a great draw for us. And I think that I think the United will be on top for sure. I think that they're gonna be the top team coming out of this. Not just a homer. I'm being real. But I also I think I, I don't know about my second team. I think I think it could be any of the other three. But I I know for a fact we'll be number one.
2: I'm of the same mindset. I think the Loons um, have got this, to be honest. Like, if I look at someone like Sporting Kansas, yeah, they're two wins against teams that we bagged earlier. Real Salt Lake have had a couple of draws. I guess it's I guess it's the Rapids? Because from what I can tell, Orlando aren't overly great, but I think DC are, are better than the, the Red Bulls. Uh, I actually... Don't know much about these, <laughs> uh, but uh, I.
0: This yeah, is pretty good. That, this is pretty good.
2: Yeah, I think I would go with the Rapids. I think they've had a strong start as well. So, yeah, I think the Rapids will come second, and I think probably Sporting Kansas might finish last. That's my hot take. Well, you know, Real Salt Lake is third place, like third seed for a reason, right? So,
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we have to view. Being Minnesota United-minded, we have to view them. If they are the team that we believe they are, they have to look at this group and feel like this is their group to win. Myself, looking at this draw, this is our group to win. So I'm going to predict Minnesota United to come in first, and I am going to attribute that to the depth that we hopefully built over the offseason. We have a lot of new guys that have come in, who would have been starters on this team during our first two seasons. And, you know, of course, our first two seasons were were awful, but those players would have, we would have needed those players to come in and step up to prevent us from being that awful. And now we have those players on our bench. Yeah, we're, we're going to get into this more. There's more substitutions that are available for us to to use during this tournament you can use up to 5 subs in a game just like you're seeing in Germany and we're going to need to rotate these guys in and i think that we we actually have a bench that is experienced and we have a bench that is just of a higher talent level than many teams in the MLS are going to be prepared for that is the reason why i think Minnesota United has to be the favorite you can't sleep on real salt lake they're up there for a reason they have an experienced team. They've brought back most of their people. And I think in a tournament setting, you can rely on that the same way that Minnesota United has its core coming back from last year, really just Tyler Miller and uh, Luis Samaria. They're the only two new faces in our starting lineup. Well, Real Salt Lake is going to be very similar to that. So having that returning core, I think this early in the season Throw them into a playoff setting, that's going to be a help for them.
0: Yeah, I think. And, you know, I think one of the last things I to touch on is I think what will benefit the United is there's just, there's good players in this group, but there aren't a lot of stars, right? Like there isn't star power. There isn't, there isn't really a guy on any of these teams, that I think, that can, that can just do it all on our own. So I think that helps us too, because we have, we, I think we got some star power. Maybe they don't know Luis Amaria yet, but they will, right? He can still get. He can still get his goal total.
2: Yeah, I, I, I was about to say. Is this? Are we counting not only the tournament but also like the group, like the after group stages? Like, <laughs> does this count towards his goal total as well? Uh, if he bangs in a hat trick in the final, I, you got to claim that, right?
1: That I is would. going to be subject to debate for decades <laughs> to come. <laughs> if he scores twenty five goals this year but a few of them are in the knockout stages and don't count towards the table. I don't know if we can count it. I
2: <laughs> but having said that, would you be counting the 25 if he scored them in the U S open cup as well?
1: No, no. Okay. Cause he said league goals.
2: It's actually going to be league goals. Okay.
1: Actually, I don't know if he said that, but that was how I interpreted it. <laughs> <laughs> so Dude, it's, gotta be, it's gotta be 25 league goals. But yeah, let's uh let's shift things a little bit. Still talking about the MLS, but we've learned some lessons from the return of the Bundesliga. And again, Justin, two weeks in a row, I got some stats for you, man. I know Lots you're the stats. Yeah, I know I, we have a math teacher and an accountant with me right now, but I'm the one that brought the stats. So proud. Yep. All right, I got these from uh, so Tom Hamilton of ESPN published these statistics on June 9th of the Bundesliga. So prior to the shutdown in the Bundesliga, home teams were winning 43.3% of their games. But since the return at the time of uh, this article being published, they were now winning only 21.7 flip it. And prior to the lockdown away teams were winning 34.83% of their games. In the Bundesliga, where now since the return, they're winning 47.8%. So what you have seen is essentially home field advantage isn't a thing anymore, at least when it comes to the Bundesliga. This is huge for the MLS because the MLS is a league that is notorious for its home field advantage. It's hard to say exactly why. I think we all agree that the long travel times have to have something to do with it compared to what someone might have to travel within Europe. But also we don't, because of the long travel times, we don't have a lot of away fans. Who knows why the, I I mean, we can't pinpoint exactly why the MLS home field advantage is so strong, but let me tell you, I actually, I calculated these on my own. The four teams from group D last year won 38 of their 68 home games. So that's 57% of their home games. Those same four teams of Group D, they only won 15 of their 68 away games, which is 22%. So that's 57% victorious when they're at home and only 22% victorious when they're on the road. Well, now they're all in a neutral venue it's going to be hot. And that's another thing about these four cities that were drawn into group D is none of them are really known for being hot cities like salt Lake and uh, Denver are known for their altitude, which obviously won't be in Orlando, but none of these cities are hot. So all four of these teams are going to have to get used to playing in the Orlando heat.
2: And haven't both Denver and salt Lake hosted winter Olympics. Salt Lake has right.
1: Salt Lake has for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't think Denver has, but Salt Lake has for sure.
2: Right. I also did some stats. I'm bringing some some stats as well. Because you mentioned traveling time. So I thought it was interesting that I looked up the A-League uh, back in Australia. And at the moment, the home win percentage of the A-League is 49%. Um, so quite similar to the Bundesliga. Uh, and the away win percent is only 33%. So they're actually quite similar to what the Bundesliga was. Yeah. Looking at that percentage in group D 22% away games. That's really bad. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That's, that's not good guys.
1: Well, and let's be honest, Colorado and sporting Kansas city didn't win a lot of games home or away last year, but (laughs) you you know, if you, if you just look at Minnesota United, which uh, I know you guys all have the stats of the, of the point breakdown, um, You have all those in the notes coming up, but just looking at Minnesota United, a lot of our wins came at home rather than on the road. It was a fortress. Yeah.
0: Allianz Field Field was a fortress last year. Only one loss. Only one
1: loss. And the only games we drew were the ones I went to.
0: (laughs) So Sam can't go to games. (laughs) Sam can't go to any games because we'll just draw them all, right? Yeah. So they were great at home. Not so great on the road, right? I think they're
1: solid on the road, but it, it just, it's what the MLS is. It's hard to win on the road in the MLS. And that is something like Minnesota United has been advantageous having a facility like Allianz Field where it gets so loud and you have just that large wonder wall right there influencing the game. They They have that. That's advantageous towards them. That is gone now, but it's gone for everyone. Yeah, and it's the
2: same with somewhat similar to Sporting Kansas City. Like, they're, they were, they weren't a fortress. Uh, seven wins, six losses is not <laughs> exactly a fortress. But like you said, like, their away form last year was three wins and 10 losses. And as someone, you know, as a team that's now playing in a neutral zone, playing in Orlando, that's not a good stat to be heading in. But I guess like the other stat that I found that was slightly interesting was that last year they came 21st out of the 25 teams last year. 26 is Inter Is into Miami new
1: inter Miami and Nashville are both. new.
2: Okay. So 21 out of 24, but they somehow made the champions league semifinals. So that's like fully in the opposite direction of the FA cup. That's fully putting all of your <laughs> pulling all of your eggs in that basket. But yeah, I think that they're probably going to have a bit of a struggle down there because they they got to work out their away form, I think. But like you said, I think that's an MLS problem.
0: Next in the group, Colorado. And uh, so, two thousand nineteen, they were nine six and two at home, pretty good for home, but not great. Uh, Twenty nine points, you know, sixty nine sixty nine percent of total points. Away, uh, just like the other teams we've talked about, they actually have the same record as Sporting Kansas City, three ten and four you know, for 13 points. So not a a great road team. We can see that that's a constant trend in this group. Yeah, and then last in
2: the group is uh, Real Salt Lake. Home form was very strong last year. Uh, 12 wins, four losses, and only one draw. So clearly Sam didn't attend any of those games. (laughs) Uh, Total of uh, 37 points, so almost 70% of their total points. And again, their away was, you know, four wins, nine losses for 16 points. So just behind the loons in away form. But having said that they have made the conference semifinals the last two years. Uh, So even with a four, nine and four away record, they're very strong heading into Orlando. So yeah, like Sam said, I don't think you can, that's not a team you can sleep on.
1: This all just really shows that all four of these teams have between 60 and 70% of their points that they've earned at home. And you're completely taking away any home field advantage with this Orlando tournament. So I don't totally know what's going to happen. And it makes it kind of exciting in the sense that we have unpredictability in the MLS that we've never experienced before with this Orlando tournament. Another thing that we can take from the Bundesliga is that injuries, unfortunately, they've been up, at least initially. The Daily Mail reported that the Bundesliga in their first several games went from 0.27 injuries a game prior to the lockdown to 0.88 per game. Again, this is after two or three match weeks. That's a 250% increase in injuries, which is why leagues around the world are allowing up to five substitutions. Now you can use five substitutions, but it has to be all within three opportunities. So you can't stop the game five different times. <laughs> you can only stop the game three times. There was at least one Bundesliga team that got away with stopping the game four times, but we'll give them a pass. I think that was Schalke I think Schalke got away with stopping it four times on accident. But
2: the, the important note there is that that excludes halftime. So you can still swap a couple of players at halftime, and that doesn't count as one of your Ah, three breaks.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Uh,
2: And when I was watching the Premier League today, they did a compulsory water break halfway through the first half and the second half. Yeah. Um, So they're starting to introduce those as well to kind of keep it somewhat
1: together. What I find kind of crazy, and I don't think – I think this is unique to the MLS – Is that the MLS is allowing twelve bench players for this tournament? James, have you heard anything like that in Europe? Um, No, I
2: think you're allowed seven, or I think I think it's still seven.
1: Yeah, I'm. I don't remember that changing at all. But twelve bench players. So Sam, twelve.
2: Sorry, yeah, twelve is only for like the Champions League and stuff for the finals.
0: Yeah. Wow. Sam Sam does this guarantee that Chacon makes at least makes the bench then right? <laughs> after after not not even seeing the bench in the first two games you, you know part of me uh highly enjoys watching
1: uh people have meltdowns and I hope <laughs> that Adrian Heath still leaves Thomas Chacon <laughs> off the bench uh just to watch the meltdown um <laughs> but then but then of course we we want Thomas Shacone to get some playing time we he seems like a nice kid. We want him to get in, uh, but it would it would make me uh, it would make me laugh pretty hard if he was left that out firm. of the lineup. <laughs> lineup line card shows up and no Chacon.
0: Ooh, they put like so- Fred Emmings on there instead.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we so- we really wanted the fifteen year old goalkeeper. You know, we just needed him on there. Yeah,
1: you never know when you're going to need a third goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So I did a I did a quick check. Uh, the UK, the Premier League just increased it to nine okay. for the rest of this season. But how many are you usually at at the MLS? Seven. Wow. Yeah. So we went, okay. Yeah, we went that's a lot.
1: Seven to twelve.
2: But yeah, I think it's also needed because I was looking at, uh, like you said, the injuries are quite high. But I was also like perusing La Liga earlier just to kind of see what's been happening, and I noticed that. Like, it might not be injury-related, but there were a lot of red cards since they came back. So since the 11th of June, there's been like seven or eight red cards already in just over a week. So I think it's, you know, when I was watching the, the Arsenal-Man Man City game, depressingly, uh, there was, <laughs> I think, at least three or four injuries just in that game as well, and a red card.
1: Yeah, D- David Luis. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, yeah, David Luiz.
2: Oh yeah, David Luiz, that was awkward. <laughs> that was a horrible <laughs> chuckle.
1: Chelsea but, t- Chelsea agent David Luiz. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, Chelsea spy. Deep cover. Um but I think it's two things. I think the first one is that because people haven't played for so long, there's not been the same kind of intensity and I think people are kind of not up to match fitness, right? So it's easier to get injured and I think in terms of the red cards, I think it's a lot more of, you know, as a referee now, you're trying to make sure that you're trying to control the game and nothing like untoward is happening, probably more than usual. And you don't have any crowd or anything kind of going after you. So I think it's more that they, I don't know if it's the right decisions, but I think there's definitely a lot more scrutiny on them to kind of protect players, especially in a time like this.
1: That makes sense. You can tell watching the Premier League that the referees are very distracted to the point where they don't always even see the ball go into the goal. Oh, gosh. <laughs>
2: wow, that was the first game, eh?
1: Yeah, Well, welcome back to the Premier League, where both goal line technology, <laughs> VAR, and just regular referees don't see a ball go into the goal. Yep. was well, it's, it's nice
2: to see that some things haven't changed after the pandemic, you know? We we can still rely on this.
0: You can count on that, right? Just count yeah, on that. Yeah, you
2: can count on VAR being trash.
1: <laughs> well, I remember on social media, some people, you, you know, in the middle of the pandemic were just like, I just want football back. I even miss VAR. And there you go.
0: <laughs>
1: nope. Well, yeah, next, uh, next episode, again, with, with Nate, we're going to be talking more on... What we can expect from Sporting Kansas City, Colorado Rapids, and Real Salt Lake. But now that we're on the topic of the return of the big leagues in Europe, let's uh, let's pick James's brain a little bit, ask him a few questions about what it's like over there. So first of all, what has the reception of the return to football been like in Europe? Are you guys jacked? Like, how's that going?
2: Yeah, so the Netherlands obviously isn't back, so... Just like when they didn't make the World Cup a few years ago, the atmosphere here is totally dead. <laughs> uh, but having said that, I do have a lot of friends uh, in the UK who are pumped that it's back. Like they are super excited. Uh, and England, whether whether it's a good idea or not, is going to be opening like the beer gardens in a couple of weeks uh, of pubs. So I think it's really going to be kicking off full on. Yeah, people in the UK are just pumped man. Like football's back. Feels like it's a little bit more back to normal. You know, you still can't go, you still can't hang out with your friends, but there's probably a lot of people yelling at TVs now and there's a lot of social media. Everyone's posting everything. Like something mundane happens, people are posting it anyway because they just they've missed it for so long, right? That Right. I think people are back to betting on everything and yeah. <laughs> it's Uh, It's been great for the UK Uh, in terms of like other countries, I think Germany's a pretty big one and it's, and I was watching some Borussia Dortmund games as well. And it's, it's just weird seeing signal going park just totally empty and people like substitute sitting in the stand, like, you know, 10 seats away from each other and all wearing face masks. And it's odd um but a lot of people are glad that that football's back i think is the overwhelming kind of feeling i'm getting from
0: europe S- side note J- side note james you made me think of this so the nba is is planning on coming back the basketball league and they talked about like they're all going to be encompassed in this bubble and i wonder if mls will do the same thing but if you're not playing in a game you can watch so I'm excited to see like players from other teams sitting in the stands being the fans during games, right? Like that'd be dope. That'd be super cool.
2: <laughs>
0: wow. Okay, I didn't know that. that that's sweet.
2: So, yeah, so if just... you're like a, if you're like a Rapids player, you could just like watch, you know, sporting KC and the Loons.
0: So if, if they have the same the same setup, right? But that'd be cool to just have like the best NBA players heckling other guys while they're in the stands. Maybe that'll happen. That
1: would be cool. I'm excited to just see like Christian Ramirez,
0: Darwin Quintero, Miguel Barra, <laughs>
1: Abudin Ladi, just like scowling behind Adrian Heath. <laughs> they're just all going to be
0: like, just booing him. They're just going to be like, just razzing him in the stands. Yeah, I could see that.
2: Can you imagine like Steph Curry missing a dunk and then LeBron being like, you're rubbish. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what I'm thinking of, James. I want, I want that. That's, like, the fun of, you know, like, there's already an element of that in the NBA with, like, the all-star weekend. Like, during yeah. the dunk contest, during all, like, the, you know, the three-point shot contest, all the other players are sitting courtside, and they're just all engaged in, you know, they're, they're talking trash to their friends. Like, that would be cool. I
2: agree.
0: That'd be sweet. So, every country in Europe is jacked, except for
1: the Netherlands. So... <laughs> Like countries like the Netherlands or France, do you think now that they see Germany, Spain, England, Italy, Sweden, all these countries, they have football back. So do you think they have any regrets or do you think they're pretty happy with their decision or maybe not happy with their decision, but agree that it was the right thing to do?
2: Yeah, I think in the Netherlands, I think we're pretty much in agreement that it's the right thing to do. Yeah, we, yeah, we're quite lucky we're down to only, and I use quotation marks because it's still bad, but we're only at like three or four deaths a day, right? So we're kind of at the tail end. And yeah, I think we've got there because a lot of the time we just haven't been letting people outside. And it's all about, for us, it's still social isolating and it's still, you know, we can do some things now, like it's not, we're not locked inside. But I think you know we can't have concerts. We there's no football, at, all sport and basically everything is off the table until at least September, uh, and if not, then further after that. And I think they're happy with the decision. You know, I don't think I'd much rather be here than in the UK. The UK is having a nightmare after America, right, with COVID. <laughs>
0: Thanks for uh, I I, rubbing I it in. I yeah, I can't wait for us to only have three or four deaths today, James. Oh man. Well, I'd, yeah, even, you know, I'd I, even like that
1: number just in Minnesota.
0: Oh, boy. You know, like our states, our states kind of done a good job taking care of stuff, but it's still, you know, it's still not done with yet.
1: Well, in Minnesota, it looks like the current wave, cases in the current wave are dropping. But in Orlando, where Mm-mm. all of our players yeah, are about to fly, they had over 200 people test positive just in their airport
2: but I, I, I will
1: hasten to add it. It's
2: Florida, right? Though, so, <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, Get get I them mean, to the bubble as fast as possible. <laughs>
2: <yeah>. <laughs> Sp- speed them to the bubble.
0: Well, i them all in the PJs, get them all in the private jets, get them down to the bubble. Well,
1: and it's, it's not a real bubble because the hotel staff, right. they leave the bubble and then they come back to the bubble. So it's not a real bubble.
2: I'm gonna be honest. When you said PJs, I was thinking pajamas and not private. <laughs> okay.
0: Where like, the p-
2: are in their pajamas? Like,
0: They're p- They're in their PJs on the PJ. <laughs> yeah. Go to the bed,
1: <laughs> James. I'll be honest. I thought he meant PJs, and I just didn't. <laughs> I just didn't question it. I've <laughs> never, it. I've never heard of anyone refer to private jets as PJs, but <laughs> <laughs> now you know.
0: Now you're hip to the lingo.
2: Now I can just drop it in a conversation, see people getting confused. Excellent. (laughs) But yeah, like, but on that point, I think the Netherlands, I think we're perfectly fine where we are. And I think football fans, while they might not like it, at least everywhere else is coming back. So at least we have everything else. And in our own country, Ajax fans are perfectly fine because they won, all good. Uh, So... Yeah, I think for us, you know, we know we're in it for the long haul and we're the kind of country that doesn't want to let it out early and then go through a wave two like instantly. We'd rather just slowly get back out there.
1: So can people from Belgium come to the Netherlands right now?
2: I don't think so, actually, but that's not us. That's them. (laughs)
1: Okay, never mind. So,
2: Yeah, to put it like...
1: So you you guys would let Belgians in, but Belgians wouldn't let... Belgians out. Okay. Yeah. So they, they closed their borders quite early on. I don't
2: know if they've reopened them yet. I'd have to check. But for example, Germany, when this all kicked off, closed borders with everyone except for the Netherlands. Because a lot of our patients were going to German hospitals and nurses and doctors lived in the Netherlands, worked in Germany. But, yeah, kind of things are opening up. I think the German border is still closed to Poland. Okay. Ironically. Uh, <laughs> cutting off Poland. Weird German move. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's. I think most of it's coming back. Like, I'm going on holiday in – I got a holiday at the start of August, and I'm seeing if we can, like, drive to Austria or drive to f- the north of France or something because I think that'll still be okay.
1: And if they don't let you, what are you going to do? Are you just going to grab your gun, go to the capital?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Demand (laughs) that I get let into Germany. I need need a
0: haircut in Germany.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's it's so crazy. Watching your news is just, it's like a different planet. I don't understand.
0: James, we're the only country in the world that has freedom. Do you understand that, James? (laughs) We are freer than everyone else. Everyone else is oppressed. Hey, <laughs> we are the most free, and we yep, need to guns, be free. Eagles, Second Amendment,
2: all good. But I, I honestly, then that, that's the crazy thing for Europeans is watching, and I, and I understand this, right? Like we understand, you know, all the Premier League have Black Lives Matter now on the back of their shirts. Um, no one has names, but the speed that it went from kind of everyone needs to stay inside because there's a pandemic to we're all going to be on the streets doing marches, doing protests was like Sam said, like zero to 60 earlier. Like some states never really did pandemic stuff, but the fact that people went from we shouldn't have contact with other people to everyone needs to march because of our rights and like screw the pandemic, we've like, there's other things. Like, for us in Europe, it's just a crazy swing. Like, it, it, you look at America and you're like, does no one care about the pandemic anymore? Because it just doesn't look like it. You know, and I get it. Like, I get it. You want to, you know, you, you're doing it because you have rights. And like you guys said last week, we're three white guys that, yeah. Yeah, we don't really have that many problems, thankfully. But, like, is it really at the point where there's just so much better that you just don't care about the pandemic anymore? That's like the second fiddle.
1: Well, I would say, so in our country right now, the top news story all involves racial justice. Yeah. The the pandemic is a strong second. So especially, say, in Minneapolis, where we live, in the immediate aftermath of George Floyd, it wasn't that people just stopped caring about the pandemic. It wasn't that people just decided that the pandemic was done. But people decided that protesting uh, the murder of George Floyd, people decided that that was more important, that that was more urgent than staying
0: inside for the pandemic. Justin, would you agree? I agree, and and as we talked about before, not not to say that you know that we're we're finished with it, but a lot of the states where these protests are happening are states that have been shut down for months and are on the down cycle of their, of the, the coronavirus, you know, like that's, that's, they've kind of noticed, right? Like most of the countries that were hit initially were these, these densely populated urban states um, or or states with, with densely populated urban cities. Right. So those were the people that got hit the most. Those also happen to be where a lot of this injustice is happening, right? New York city, is a prime example. I mean, Seattle, another huge example, California, like these, these large like Los Angeles, right. These large cities and even Minneapolis for that matter, right. We're not, we weren't hit nearly as hard as other, st- other cities, you know, but, but we, we felt the, we felt the, the pandemic. So those, those are the cities that are kind of the ones that have those issues, right. The, the ones that that were affected by the coronavirus earlier, the tables have kind of turned though, if you look at the data and most of our issues now, you know, like there there isn't a huge connection between the cities that are protesting. Cause most of the protests, I mean, obviously the coronavirus is going to be transmitted, but most of the protests, if you notice them, it's everyone's wearing a mask, right? Like everyone's wearing a mask. It's outdoors. You know, where most of most of the outbreaks are happening now in, in the states. They're in those those southern states that didn't have issues in March, didn't have issues in April, right? So they've they've been doing business as usual, and now those hot those hot states, everyone's going indoors now. And what's happening, right? They they weren't following the rules before, or or at least not following them super super, you know, they they weren't doing them as as uh, religiously, right? But like now. Now they're starting to see those numbers rise. You know, and and it's interesting,
1: like the first major indoor event is about to be <laughs> held as we're recording this in Tulsa, where Donald Trump is going to meet in, in an indoor arena with 20,000 people for a campaign rally. And then- hold on,
0: hold on, Sam. They sold a million tickets or they, they gave out a million tickets.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, oh, sure, I'm sure, I'm <laughs> sure. And then he's planning on having another- larger rally outside where the video of him the video of his rally is there for tens of thousands of more people in Oklahoma where cases are on the rise and here's the thing maybe maybe we're overreacting to coronavirus based on what happened in Italy I don't think we are based on what happened in New York City I don't think we are but maybe we're overreacting Maybe nothing bad will happen because Donald Trump hosted a large rally, indoor rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Maybe we'll look back and nothing bad would have happened. But here's the thing. He doesn't
0: know that nothing bad would happen. Nobody knows that nothing bad would happen. Yeah. So that's why that's why people have to sign waivers to not sue him if they get coronavirus after this what? event. Okay. Yeah, they if you wanna if you want to go into the building, James you have to sign a waiver saying that you are not holding him responsible if you contract coronavirus or COVID-19. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: It, it's just, anyway, I'm not, <laughs> I, I've said this before. I am not a political person. I would not be having a conversation where I was slamming, you know, really any other top Republican,
0: but what the hell?
2: Yeah. We, we feel that too over here, you know, <laughs>
0: don't worry. Everybody vote.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, that's, yeah. I don't even want to get into that rabbit hole, but, man, that could be a whole other episode. The last thing I will say is that, yeah, we, like, we're like we at least at the point where we can go outside again. Like, l- last weekend I was at a restaurant. Uh, you have to book in advance. All You can't move any of the tables. They're all spaced out. They're all outside. Um, you have to be eating. You can't just go there to drink. Two weeks ago, I went to a zoo, uh, one way around the zoo, same thing with the tables. Everyone eats outside. And when we were eating, we had a little plaque. We left the plaque on the table and then they cleaned the table before anyone else could sit there. Right. And every time there was hand sanitizer, like everywhere, <laughs> literally everywhere. <laughs> so yeah, like we're at the point where we can go outside. We're still at one and a half meters. If you're catching public transport, you have to wear a mask. There's no two ways about it. You still can't do events. You you can meet up.
1: You should just boycott public transport then. They make you wear a mask. Yeah,
2: I don't take, yeah, I don't, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think we can still meet less than 10 people or like max 10 people, like three households. Yeah, it's a bit, it's not too much, but yeah, we're essentially still, we still feel like it's locked down. Put it that way. I can get a haircut, for example. So yeah, it's not that bad.
0: <laughs> I I need one of those. <laughs> I think it looks good, Sam. I think you should keep growing
1: it. Thank you, appreciate it. Yeah, I'm going to let it go for a while at least. Ponytail. Well, thanks for coming on, James. It was awesome having you, man. Yeah, thank you for spending your lockdown with us.
2: Thank you for uh, thank you for having me as well. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. I look forward to uh, coming back. I do have one quick question, Justin. Have you managed to watch the uh, LG Twins game yet?
0: I've been watching games, not as much as I did at the beginning, but I've I've watched maybe one game in the last week. Uh, they're still doing great. It's fun to watch. It's baseball. How about you? Have you yeah. been watching games?
2: Uh, I haven't because I can't find a streaming service. But <laughs> I was listening to uh, the last podcast uh, today, and I actually pulled up because the Twins were playing uh, against uh, Doosan. Yep, uh, that's their rival.
0: It didn't go well. I didn't didn't check, though. They didn't do so hot today?
2: No. Doosan had 13 runs in the first two innings.
0: Oh, shoot. Oh. (laughs) What a box. I pulled up the box score. Holy cow. 18 to to 10, Sam. They lost 18 to 10.
2: But they are (laughs) still second, so all good.
0: They are. They are. Uh,
2: Yeah, it's interesting how, like you say, when there's a lockdown, you kind of – suddenly get interested in all these other sports that <laughs> you never really cared too much about before.
0: Exactly. But, uh, yeah.
2: No, thanks for having me guys. Like I, yeah, I always, I always enjoy coming on here and chatting to you guys. Now I have a scarf as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to be, uh, keeping an eye out for, uh, the tournament and, um, yeah, see what games I can watch.
1: Awesome, man. Well, sweet. Well, I got to go get my daughter. Thank you again, James. We'll, we'll have you back on again soon. Justin, it's good to see you. And, you know, pot on you loons. Pot on you loons. Pot on you loons. The MLS is back. Tournament. Tournament. All
0: right. Peace out.